I have a biz question for you, but one thing I didn't I realize I didn't even ask this explicitly. I already know the answer, but I, it's still cool to hear. It's just inspiring for people. So how are those health symptoms of yours doing nowadays? So I reversed my Hashimoto's, um, all my hormones. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. All right, hello there, Sarah, and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped and excited to be speaking with you today, Evan. Yeah, and this is really cool. So we will uh, talk about this specific part later in the podcast. But you're uh, an interesting person because you actually have a, a really decent long experience and history in this space already and then are still choosing to go through the FDN program. So I'm excited to talk about uh, what led you to doing that and what parts you love and maybe what parts you think can be improved. So we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, but I always start off really similarly on this show and any regular listener already knows that. I love to dive into the person's health journey and story if they have one. And 99% of the people in our space do have one. Of course, I checked out your website and stuff, so I already know um, some of it, but it'll be interesting to kind of dive deeper into this. So what health symptoms were you experiencing and, and when did they start in your life? Yeah, well, I actually have a few different healing journeys that I've gone through. So I started my practice 10 years ago. So my initial healing journey was way back when, when I was a young little pup. Um, before I worked within the wellness space, I um, was in the fashion industry. I was an international model. And so I had a completely horrible lifestyle, smoked cigarettes a pack of day to try to you know maintain a certain weight and look a certain way, um, ate horribly, even though, you know, the fashion world is very superficial um, and just did not live well. And I did not treat myself well. And the industry that I was in was very superficial, very cutthroat, very fake. Nobody treated themselves well. We didn't treat each other. We didn't treat, treat each other very well. And so um, I was actually living in Turkey and Istanbul at the time. And I remember I was at a casting and I was looking around the room and all the models were talking about what they were or were not going to eat that day to maintain a certain weight. And everybody was looking at each other as competition and everybody was gazing at each other like we were a threat to one another. And it was just a vibe and an emotion that you do not want to immerse yourself in when you feel like you are reduced to looks and nothing else. And I was doing that for a good 13 years. I started when I was a child. And so um, I decided one day I've had enough and I wanted to switch careers where I could help empower women to feel good about themselves, to love themselves and treat themselves well, nourish themselves and to support one another. So that was my initial kind of um, initiation into the health space. But most recently is when I experienced, I, I guess I would say my biggest health crisis. So um, of course, I got pregnant two weeks before COVID officially started back in March of 2020. Uh, or when did it start? Yeah, March of 2020, right? Is when things Almost went down. Almost three years now. Isn't that insane? <laughs> Wild. And I couldn't, of course, you know, go to the gym or do the things that I wanted to do while I was pregnant. And we moved to the suburbs. We were living in the city of Chicago at the time. We moved to the suburbs two weeks after I gave birth. And that is when things went south. So um, prior to having my child, my second baby, and when I started my practice 10 years ago, as you could imagine, I'm a very, very health conscious person. I helped mitigate all my health challenges I had 10 
10 years ago and I was on the straight and narrow. And this just goes to show you that it's not always lifestyle induced when you have a health issue. It could be something in your environment or a virus that is dormant and pops back up. So for my second kind of health crisis, it was a combination of my environment because I found out the house we moved into had a mold issue, which caused a lot of complications and symptoms that I was experiencing. And my child was not sleeping well. So I was waking up every 30 minutes throughout the night. And I literally felt like I was dying. That's how bad the sleep deprivation was. I had postpartum anxiety. And I, my husband loves to blame the fact that on my first pregnancy, I took placenta pills to remineralize and re-nourish myself. And this second time around, our doula lost them in the mail. So I was devastated. I didn't get the re-nourishment after I gave birth. And so there was a lot of different factors that kind of triggered a huge cascade of symptoms. I had an Epstein-Barr reactivation. I never even knew I had Epstein-Barr before, so I could have been dormant since childhood and creeped back up. Um, I had everything from digestive issues like SIBO and Candida. Obviously, I had mold toxicity that I later uncovered. And then I had bad neurological issues. My eyesight started going wonky when I... typically would have 20-20 vision. Uh, Things would get very blurry. uh, Straight lines would get squiggly, very strange symptoms neurologically. And then even after my baby started sleeping, I was still waking up throughout the night, multiple times a night. My, My sleep was just wrecked. I felt fatigue. I had brain fog. Um, I wasn't getting answers, of course, from my midwife when they ran, you know, their traditional blood tests. So, I work with a functional medicine doctor who now is one of my colleagues, and she ran way in-depth panels. Turns out I had Hashimoto's, but it didn't affect you know my other thyroid labs. It didn't affect TSH or T4 to T3 or anything like that, but I had some antibodies creeping around um, and a lot of depletion, a lot of depleted nutrients, minerals. I was pretty much postmenopausal, but not technically, you know, postmenopausal. My estrogen, progesterone, all my hormones were rock bottom and my mitochondria health was rock bottom. I had toxicities that showed up. Literally everything was wrong within my body. And it was a consequence of a perfect storm, lack of sleep, giving birth, moving into a home that had mold. It's just a combination of, you know, my circumstances and the environment, even though I was eating well still, right, to the best of my ability, sometimes that's not enough. There's circumstances that are out of your control, which is why working with somebody like an FDNP, this is why we're health detectives. You can uncover what could be potentially infiltrating your system. Okay, lot there. Um, and I don't want to <laughs> throw you off with anything, but I gotta, I, I want to just go back, if, if I may, um, to the yeah. whole modeling thing. It's like, how does, because again, we have a largely woman audience, and this is not something that's that uncommon. It might not be modeling specifically, but this whole idea of the, the body image thing, and, and this is unhealthy for people, mm. man. Like, it really affects them. And I, I mean this in a serious way. Like, I, I don't have an opinion on this. I come from a place of actual ignorance because I always hear, um, especially in my generation. I don't know if you hear this, but in my generation, I hear all the time about a lot of the blame goes to, you know, some supposed male out there that that wants a woman to look a certain way. Now, I fully admit that I have my biological desires that lead me towards a certain woman. Like my girlfriend to me is very attractive, right? But does that not, I always felt like that goes both ways, obviously. Like when I look at, you know, certain magazines, it's a jacked up dude that has a really nice jawline, super handsome, great eyes. Like, I could say the same exact thing about that, but, and everyone has their own individual things. But what I thought was so interesting about what you just described, and I know it's a health show, but I wanted to touch on this because I feel like this is a mental health aspect. You described this like viciousness and uh, Mm -hmm. going against each other amongst women that had nothing to do with the males. And I'm sure there is a part of that, but I'm saying that was like women going against women. So how does, how does someone end up in that position where now you're like competing with other women? Like, what do you think brings people there? Are they looking for validation to begin with? Which, by the way, I've looked for in many ways myself. So this isn't, you know, put Sarah on the spot. But like, are people looking for validation or how do they get into that to begin with, if I, if I may ask? 
how do they get into the modeling industry? Yeah, like how did they get there? Because then it sounds like it was terrible. Like it sounds like you guys are all unhealthy so and terrible. everyone's fighting each other. Like that doesn't sound fun. It's really <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I wish I could write a book to expose the modeling industry, but I can't, of course, at this point. Maybe I could, but too much work. Um, well, you know, when when you're a little girl, you love to play dress up. You love to look in the mirror and put clothes on and pose and take photos. And when people tell you, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful, obviously that gives you a huge dopamine boost that builds your confidence, that makes you feel validated, that makes you feel wanted. So then you want more of that. So it starts when you're a child, essentially, when you're a teenager or even a preteen, when you get that validation, you want more of that. So a lot of little girls, you know, dreams is I want to be a supermodel. I want to be a singer. I want to be an actress because they want to have that validation. They want people to validate them, to want to be like them, to want to be with them. You know, we want that connection. It's a basic human need to want that connection, that validation. And so that's how it started for me when I was a little girl. My neighbor went to some modeling school and they were talking about it. And I said, wow, I want to do that too. I want to play dress up and take photos and feel beautiful. At the end of the day, it's all about a feeling. You want to feel wanted. You want to feel beautiful. You want to feel worthy, right? And so you find this whole industry that feeds that. When you get selected for a job, you feel that emotion of, I am worthy because I was selected. And then when you don't get that job, you feel like, I am unworthy. I don't look right. What is wrong with me? They didn't choose me. And so me as a teenager, when I would go to these agencies, and I was 13 years old. I remember this so vividly. I went to a modeling agency to be represented. I went to an open call and they told me, you know what? You just need to do some more Pilates to slim down your thighs and then come back to us after you've done that. I was 13, Evan, 13. And that devastated me. But that started a whole trajectory of my worth is based on my appearance. But when you get that validation and you start to climb the ranks in the industry, and I lived in Milan, I modeled in Milan, I modeled in Greece, I modeled in Turkey, I modeled in Miami, like all over the place. When you get that validation, you want more of it because one side of the industry is very glamorous where you meet a lot of cool people, you do a lot of cool things, you can travel the world and people are validating that need to nurture your inner confidence, right? Of course, everybody at the end of the day wants to look in the mirror and think that they look beautiful. And so when you're in an industry that directly gives you that validation, you're beautiful or nope, you're not good enough. That is such a huge mental mind F, right? And so what seems like it's a beautiful, cool, awesome industry quickly turns into an extremely mentally degrading and exhaustive and depleting industry because there is more rejection than there is acceptance. And every time you're rejected, that just chips away at your self-esteem. And that's why so many models get body dysmorphia and then what is resulted in all these magazines, all these photoshopped images and all these size zero women is what all these little girls are seeing. And that is continuing to condition that belief into women from the age of, you know, childhood, essentially of this is what beauty is. And if you don't look like this, you got to figure out a way to look like this. Otherwise, you're not going to be validated in this world. So it's a vicious cycle. And that also is what feeds to all the models within the industry essentially working against each other or viewing each other as a threat because you're literally everybody's competition. And when I would go to casting calls or auditions and it would, they, the commercial, for example, was looking for a five foot nine blonde female. It was all me and other five foot nine blonde females. And we'd all be sitting like, mm. and that's just not my vibe. I am a very approachable person. I want to be in an environment that feels inclusive positive, uplifting, inspiring, and it was turning out to be the complete opposite. And then on top of that, you are literally doing whatever you can to drop two inches in like a week to fit a certain guideline. It's just extremely 
intense and it is not what people think it is. Of course, I will say nowadays the industry has changed tremendously where there's a lot more body positivity and there's a lot more models out there that are all in all shapes and sizes where if I would have re-entered the industry now, I'm pretty sure it would be a completely different experience than it was when did I stop? Maybe like seven or eight years ago. Gotcha. Well, first of all, thank you so much for answering that for me. I'm glad I asked and I'm glad that you're willing to go there because again, even if it's not the main focus of the show today, that's fine. There's just that answer is going to resonate with someone out there. I would bet a lot of money on that. And it's unbelievable to me, the comment that was made you at 13, but I don't mean that so literally. I actually do believe it because my friend, um, Anna, she's actually been on the show. She guys, she was on way back, like episode 90 or something, but Anna did dance when she was younger. Now, Mm. Anna is a fully grown woman that is small. She's like five, two, you know, I stand like a foot taller than her basically. And so as an adult, like no one in my, in, in their life would say like, oh, this is a large person. Like you would actually say the opposite. This is a small mm-hmm. person. And she said when she was doing ballet, when she was a kid, like the dance instructor told her like her shoulders were too broad. I'm like, well, who are you comparing yourself to? Like, I mean, I'm just like, you're already tiny. Like I just, I can't believe that these comments are made to people. And that's certainly not right. Um, and it's definitely not helpful. And I see what you're saying with the, the modeling thing, because I go, I, I think there's a very, uh, very small subset that gets over glamorized. And that's not actually the point of this. There's clearly, they're doing the modeling thing where um, sometimes they're promoting people that are clearly unhealthy. I mean, the extremes there. And and I believe just like we shouldn't promote those extremes, we should not promote anorexic extremes Mm -hmm. either, right? But that's just what makes headlines. What they're actually trying to do is what you're talking about, a happy medium, and actually shows what a realistic woman looks like, what most men look like. And they're trying to do that. And if you're healthy and it's realistic, I think that's um, I think that's a great thing. I think that can help people. Because especially in the age of social media, man, I mean, this kills all of us, right? I can go online yeah. all day and I just thank God I'm not a 3 out of 10, but I'm certainly not a 10 out of 10 either, right? I could spend the rest of my life on this phone comparing myself to other people who look better than me or have bigger muscles or a thicker beard or, or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. And we can all play that game. Um, and it's never ending because if the best looking person, gosh forbid, you happen to be that person in the world, congratulations, you know that's not going to last, right? It goes away oh, as you yeah. age. So then it's like this constant thing. And um, so it's okay to be fit. It's okay to be healthy. I think we all do things to try to make ourselves look better, but it's it's that balanced perspective, right? Like yeah. trying to just keep this all in line that this is not the only source of my validation or worth as a human. I think that's really what this is, right? Definitely, 100%. And it bleeds over into the influencer and the fitness and health influencer world as well. Because you see all these little 20-year-old fitness and health influencers touting their lifestyle and people are like, why can I look like that? And it's like, hello, when you were 20 years old, you probably looked pretty similar if you had a decent metabolism, right? I mean, come back to me when you're 30 and you're still within the health and wellness space and let's see how you have changed and what you've changed with your approach and your protocol. Just saying, I had to get that out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. For most of us, um, listen, we're not going to be the the top tier 10 out of 10. I think the best thing that we can do, and I mean this, uh, the healthier I've gotten, you know, the the better that I look. So you can actually do this in a lot of different ways. I had, um, I know we don't know each other. I had like severe cystic acne, right? And so getting healthy, like actually doing the right thing that I was supposed to do anyway, led to me becoming a more attractive person. So I, I think that's the way to do it. And I think it's the, it's the way to do it long term, right? Um, Reed Davis, the founder of FDN is he either is 70 or is about to turn 70. And this guy looks fantastic. So, mm-hmm. but, but, and is he a 10 out of 10 model? No, I don't think Reed's at that level. But you know, there, there's something to be said about the longevity of just looking like a healthy, vibrant person versus this very temporary period where you feel like you're uh, top of the world you're because if that's, if that's where your validation is coming from, it's not going to last. Whether you're a bodybuilding male that's 250 pounds or you know a size zero woman, I mean these are such temporary things. So um, do it if you got it, but and if it makes you feel good, but don't make that the only source of your uh, validation and worth. Mm-hmm. That, that's crazy and it, it, it's not sustainable. So moving on um, with the health stuff again. Thank you for doing that with me. But did you? I think you already had kind of alluded to this. Did you already? know once the all this stuff started like coming out that it was more than just the second pregnancy that led to those symptoms like were you already aware of that because you seemed like you were a health conscious person of course by that point so did you know all right this wasn't just the second pregnancy that did this this is like an accumulation of stuff 
Yeah, I, I knew 100% it was an accumulation of something. Um, I had a very deep suspicion that something infiltrated my body when I was at my most vulnerable state and really aggravated and threw my entire system out of whack because essentially every single system within my body was dysregulated. I had extreme nervous system dysregulation. My whole digestive system was out of whack. All of my hormones were severely depleted. I knew this wasn't just, oh, pregnancy, right? Because I had my first child and I sure was fine. And I re-nourished myself after that first pregnancy and maintained my level of health between the first two pregnancies. So I just knew that something external infiltrated my body to create this level of chaos. So for me specifically, it wasn't necessarily lifestyle related. I will say though, a lot of my lifestyle choices Right before the epicenter of my health crisis happened, I was making poor lifestyle choices because we moved two weeks after I gave birth. So obviously my stress levels are peaked out. We were ordering a lot of takeout to get by. So of course I wasn't eating how I normally would eat. So I wasn't, you know, supporting myself from a nutritional level as I could 100%. Um, I tried to throw myself back into work too soon. So I was adding a lot of emotional and mental stress on myself when I was already dealing with severe sleep deprivation. So I was trying to go, go, go when I should have been taking a step back and trying to figure out, okay, I don't feel okay. Let me pause my life. But unfortunately, when you're a woman and you have a baby, you feel like you become so far behind and like everybody else else in the world is moving forward when it comes to, you know, your career and what you do. Unless of course you're a stay-at-home mom, then and then that's your new career and that's a whole other type of career. But it's really unfortunate that when you give birth, you feel like you have to kind of re-enter your career path, whether that's working for yourself or working for somebody else within three months so that you don't feel like you're falling behind. And that also is what contributed to all of my symptoms popping up all at once. Yeah, it's kind of, my gosh, we could do a million side topics today because that, that's kind of crazy in and of itself, right? Like what yeah. does that do for the child's development that we've created a world where the vast majority of people have to do exactly that? Yeah. Basically separate themselves for significant parts of the day um, from this being that just they created that just came out of them. It's like, that's probably, I don't know that that's the best thing to be doing, but we're again, more or less forced into it. So it's a really uh, kind of unique and interesting point, just from the, even the health perspective of the baby, let alone yeah. the mom. So one thing um, as well, and it, we usually go into this a little deeper, but I think this is kind of clear today. So correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I like to know how people made the jump into the functional side, but it sounds like based off your experiences with the modeling thing and just the last years prior to the second pregnancy, you, you seem very aware of the health stuff. Like, I mean, even just this whole remineralization thing after pregnancy, like I haven't heard of that. I'm sure uh, maybe many of our female listeners have, I haven't. And so was it a big thing for you to go to like functional medicine or was that like a pretty quick transition after maybe you went to Western medicine first and they were like, I hey, we don't know what's wrong. Like how long did it take, I guess, is what I'm trying to say from the symptoms to, okay, I'm going to a, a functional doctor that many people would look at as woo woo, even though we know it's not. <laughs> yeah. So for me personally, it didn't take very long just because I've been working with other functional practitioners for, you know, the past decade. Um, and I, since, since I thought, well, I'm generally so healthy, I'm first going to go to my OBGYN and just get basic labs and see if everything's okay. And when I did that and all my labs came within the normal range, even though we all know, you know, what's normal and conventional medicine when it comes to lab ranges isn't actually optimal. Um, I still knew something was wrong. And so I immediately then delving, dived deeper into more functional labs and full thyroid panels, right? Because when you go to your primary care provider or your OBGYN or even an endocrinologist, they will only test your TSH if you feel like you have something going on with your thyroid. They don't test anything else. And they don't even care that you have Hashimoto's antibodies. They only want to know if it is so severe that it has impacted your entire thyroid. So I, because of what I know, um, luckily, 
was able to have access to functional medicine fairly shortly afterwards. But for the general population and for a lot of individuals and women that aren't really aware of everything that functional medicine entails, it takes them going from multiple different doctors and multiple different specialists and more time of trial and error and trying to troubleshoot their own health until they finally make their way to somebody like myself or an FDNP. And at that point, you know, it's, they could have saved so much time if they could have accessed whatever labs they needed to from their primary care provider, and then came straight away to a functional medicine practitioner or um, an alternative healthcare provider to really see what is going on in a much, much deeper level. It's so true. And I mean, autoimmunity in general just kind of gets screwed over by Western medicine. But the thyroid one is particularly uh, close to home for me. My mom had the same thing just with Graves disease. Mm -hmm. And they didn't test the thyroid at all for like six, seven years, because at least... I mean, for better or for worse, the Hashimoto's hypothyroidism thing is is more common. So, mm-hmm. you know, they you might have more doctors that'll be like, okay, that kind of sounds like this or sounds like that. Now, again, whether they test properly for it is a whole separate thing. But my mom, since she had the symptoms of hyperthyroidism, it was so easily written off to just stress or it's in your head. She's getting put on these anti-anxiety meds, but that wasn't the case. I mean, this woman yeah. had severe antibody development, right? Like she had Graves disease and, um, and her TSH for those listening that have always probably heard it the opposite way, I think was like, you know, a, a zero point, you know, mm-hmm. something, it was very, very low, uh, because there's like this inverse relationship with the TSH, you know, when someone's actually underactive, it's super high. And, uh, I think the easiest way to get people to remember that is, well, what is it? It's thyroid stimulating hormone. So the reason it's going up is it's trying to stimulate versus like down is because, wow, this thing's going crazy right now. And my mom's sitting there with 130 beat per minute heart rate while she's sitting on the couch or something. So it's crazy. I'm just glad that there's people like us out there and like you out there getting to help these individuals. So I wanted to ask like when you decided to make this your career, but it sounds more like this was an add on to the things that you were already doing, right? Like you were already serving people in a health sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I started my practice, you know, 10 years ago, but the one missing link for me was having the ability myself to order extensive functional labs. So one of my girlfriends who is also an FDNP, well, not also, I'm a, I'm assumed to be FDNP, I suppose, um, (laughs) FDNP. That's how I kind of came upon you guys. And she said, yeah, I can order all my own labs. I can run GI maps. I could do neurotransmitters. I can um, do like thyroid. I can do all sorts of stuff. I said, what? Because what I do is I typically work collaboratively with naturopathic doctors, functional medicine doctors, and I fill in all the gaps. So they pretty much will run the labs and create a supplement protocol on their perspective. And then I fill in everything else. Um, But over the many, many years of doing this, I have learned how to read all of these labs. But the one problem I've been finding is that I don't always necessarily agree with other doctors of how they're approaching the labs. What I've noticed when you go to a um, ND or another type of, you know, functional medicine practitioner, a lot of times they will just treat the lab results where if they see, oh, you have, you know, low iodine, take some iodine or, oh, you have, you know, low testosterone and low estrogen, just take some DHEA. And they don't really do anything beyond that. And I know, you know, your institute talks greatly about that as well, the importance of not just fixing the labs, but understanding what is causing these um, situations, like what, what, what's the, what are these lab results do because of, you know, like what's going on in the body that is causing these lab results. And so that's why I was really excited about this institute because I go, ooh, now I have the opportunity to run my own labs, create my own protocols, and do everything that kind of completes the practice that I've you know already established. I, Sarah, I really appreciate you bringing this up because I think 
I, I hope everyone looks at me as like a genuine person, but you know, I've been through FDN so long ago that, you know, they look at me as like, Oh, an employee, like, Hey, he's just saying this cause he works for the place. And like, that's not the case, but it's nice to hear this from someone who has been in the industry for a while. You are actively going through the course. This isn't something that again, you get something for, or you've mm-hmm. been doing for a few years and you're even recognizing the clear problems right now with functional and natural medicine. And we know not all practitioners are like this. Sarah said that too. It's not everyone, but a lot of the functional and natural medicine stuff basically becomes Western medicine with supplements and no surgery. Like that, that's really what this is. And there is clearly a time and place for supplementation. We pride ourselves in being one of the best schools for appropriate, uh, teaching appropriate supplementation. So we're all for that. But it's this idea that that's all you're going to do. Oh, we'll run the hormone panel. This is high. This is low. We treat it with a supplement. Again, conceptually speaking, how is that any different than Western medicine, except maybe it's a little safer because they're not going on a medication. You, you are no more... Um, deficient in XYZ supplement than you are in XYZ medication. Generally speaking, obviously a supplement could be a, a vitamin and someone could be obviously deficient in vitamin A, for example. But with a lot of these supplements, it's not that you're actually deficient in them and they, it's that they might be helpful for the time being. So the way that we utilize supplementation is we call it intelligent allopathy because allopathy is this idea that we're going to treat um, symptoms or diagnoses mm-hmm. with drugs or surgery. Now, of course, we don't treat anything specifically, but we can also make someone feel better. That's why it's intelligent allopathy. We're not hurting them. And we're also trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. And the idea of the FDN system is it's designed in such a way that you can kind of help the person, whether or not you ever really figure out, oh, what was that one specific root cause? I mean, Sarah, you work with people probably all the time that have been sick for a decade. The the idea that we're going to tell these people 100% of the time that, oh, we know their root cause... I mean, yes, we're getting closer to most pe- uh, than most people, but you might not ever know if it was the gluten sensitivity or the trauma as a kid or whatever by the time you come mm-hmm. to us, if it's with a decade worth of health symptoms, but we could still help you regardless. So um, when did you actually start the course? I didn't ask that. Oh my goodness. Literally like a week and a half ago. <laughs> okay, cool. So you're fresh into it. Yeah. Um, I'd love to, if I may, I'd love to have you back on then once you graduate, maybe give it a few months and just see how this is working in your practice. Uh, but you also mentioned this idea that, you know, it's kind of hard to get labs uh, consistently unless you have these credentials. And it's one of the things that FDNs have the privilege of. Mm-hmm. This is a, a very dramatic example, but unfortunately I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. When I was on the course enrollment side of things, so I was, um, you know, talking to people if they were interested in enrolling in FDN, uh, one group of women called, there was three women and they were health coaches. Now they went um, and worked under a doctor and the doctor passed away in an accident. Their entire business overnight was like completely screwed because he was the one that facilitated the lab orders and they didn't have any other connections for this and they didn't have anything. So they literally all went through FDN super fast because of this. And again, I'm not, I don't mean to fear monger. That's just the only example I can think of off the top of my head, but it was a real thing and they were stuck in their business. So to me, I'm always like, if you're utilizing lab testing in your practice. Um, because I've seen a lot of people like you, right? Why mm-hmm. would you not try to get this yourself? And then you get the additional training. Um, you get to yeah. see it from a whole different perspective. So in terms of how you work with people now, I mean, you're fresh to FDN. So were you already in this mindset then it sounds like of, Hey, I'm not just going to treat the paperwork. And how did you figure that out then without some type of course, like where did you learn that maybe it's not just as simple as treating the paperwork? Yeah, um, it was very innate to me because I just because I've been doing this for so long and I speak with clients very extensively about their history, what's going on right now. I dive deep into every area of their life. And um, also just by working collaboratively with doctors throughout the past 10 years, because I would see firsthand how doctors would prescribe, you know, 20 supplements. And I would try to support from nutrition, lifestyle, at-home therapies, you know, everything else that would entail within a program. And they would be taking all these supplements and sometimes would be feeling worse because of the supplements, right? Especially with DHEA, if you're taking that, that could increase any of your, um, hormones, essentially, it can increase the cortisol more so than estrogen, or it can, can increase testosterone too much. And if you're not doing it carefully, it could just make you feel worse. And um, just pretty much from experience, just realizing that certain supplements would not be good for a client. Like one example is 
I had a client who had extreme anxiety and um, a lot of mood disorders and some issues sleeping. And we ran a lab that's really similar to the fluids IQ that looked at, you know, the cortisol pattern, the DHA to cortisol ratio and whatnot. And um, she, you know, one of the doctors that I used to work with wanted to give her a supplement that had rhodiola in it. And I knew that rhodiola could be very stimulating. And in that doctor's protocol, it said to take it twice a day, one at morning and one at night. And so then she took that supplement at night and was up all night because she already has that hypervigilance and anxiety that she's dealing with. So, I mean, I've had so many situations so similar to that where physicians are relying just on supplementation based on only the data they see and nothing else, like not listening to the person, not listening to their circumstances, not thoroughly absorbing what's going on in their life, what's causing certain stress triggers, how are they coping with stress? And, you know, what are their circumstances? What are you eating? How are you sleeping? What are you doing every day? And when you just lead with supplementation and nothing else, and you don't intuitively, like I kind of view it almost as an art, right? Like there's obviously a science to everything, but there's also an art of being intuitive with who you're talking to and picking up on their nuances and their characteristics and how they live their day and how they respond to their environment, which plays a very, very large role in the type of program a practitioner would want to create for them, which is much more than just supplementation. (laughs) Yeah. I think the only time I've heard this described as an art is by the mentor I had when I went through the FDN course, Brandon Molay. Brandon's been doing this for 10 years. So uh, just a little hint for the audience out there. So two veterans, you know, consider this an art and and, and this matters, right? Because Mm -hmm. You're not, FDN is a system and it's predictable and that's great, but there's other sides to this. And I'm not an expert coach by any means. Like I went through FDN. I've always worked with clients like to some degree, uh, personally, just for me, I don't know if it's my personality or whatever, but I have always found like this idea of working 40 hours a week with clients, absolutely overwhelming. So I've always mixed it in with other things. And then others are like, send me 60 hours a week to clients. I could do this all day. So it's kind of cool. Everyone's a little different with that, but even myself, I've picked up that the word is an art. It's not just so, oh, you get one, so you plug in A. It's not like a formula like that always. And if you're doing it like that, I'd be a little hesitant because eventually that's not going to work on every single person because um, we're all bio individuals and Mm -hmm. there's very unique circumstances that lead to us having health challenges. And so I'm just impressed that you, I mean, again, I know that you have the clinical experience, but still coming to these realizations, uh, I don't, think I ever would have done that. Before FDN, I was looking for this diet for this thing, this supplement for that. That was my own healing journey. And then this opened up my mind completely. And I know um, I know that you already probably have a damn good idea of what FDN is since your friend uh, has gone through it and since you chose to purchase it. But um, I think I, I really do believe that you're just going to continue to love it more and more as you go through based on what you just said. Uh, so it'll be fun. It'll be great to be able to talk to you afterwards. How do you work with people as of now? Because obviously you're still utilizing some labs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode will be released long before you actually finish FDN. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like you have plenty to offer people. So guys, we're not like a cult here, right? You can work with someone who's not an <laughs> FDN, um, even if they're becoming one. So if, if I was... Um, someone who's sick, like how would I come to you? And, and you can even talk about too, like what is the stereotypical type of person that would come to you? Yeah. So I have a naturopathic doctor that's at my practice. And so she, I love her. She's incredible. She is the gal that orders all the labs for all my clients since I cannot yet. Um, And she also is very, very deep within the functional health world. So when clients come to us, we see primarily women. We see a lot of women who are trying to get pregnant. We see a lot of women who are pregnant because they're having a lot of symptoms and their doctor is only doing so much. And I see, I personally see a lot of moms who experience health issues after having kids. And that could be from postpartum period all the way up to your child is a teenager. Because sometimes when your body experiences a big shift in hormones after delivering a baby or whatever kind of falls out of balance after you give birth, 
and it doesn't go back into balance, the body tries to deal with and function with the cards that it's been dealt. So it just kind of carries on with a lot of imbalances. And you may feel okay, because you're compensating for what's going on within your body. But then after a while, your the messages via little subtle symptoms that your body's trying to give you eventually turn into very loud messages via very extreme, you know, symptoms. Um, I also see a lot of women that have autoimmune issues, thyroid conditions, um, IBS, digestive conditions, insulin resistance, PCOS, things like that. Pretty much all women issues that they could, you know, come upon. Um, and of course, more complex cases like mold and Lyme as well. We, yeah. we see that as well. But typically, clients would come to us, they would meet with both of us, they would have an initial with the naturopathic oh, cool. doctor. Um, and then they would ha- also have an initial with myself, because I am able to, um, after, you know, all the years of doing this, I'm able to create personalized nutrition, lifestyle, at-home therapy protocols for clients based on just a conversation before we see the lab work, because I'm able to gather so much data as far as, you know, their eating habits, what they're eating, what they're not eating, how they're living their life, that I can tell right away very important shifts that can help them as they're waiting for labs. So um, people probably don't realize this, but if you go and you see just like a traditional functional medicine doctor and they don't really have anybody else else at their practice maybe they have nurses and whatnot you have your initial appointment you get your labs and then you don't have your next steps for you until maybe a month later and so that month time period of waiting for labs to come back and then you have to set up an appointment to review the labs and then you're just put on like a supplement protocol that's very stressful because you're sitting there you know waiting to make some improvements or to get some answers so we kind of bridge that gap by creating a progress, a kind of a foundational shift that they can make while they're waiting for labs. And then Dr. Um, Galena, she's my ND right now. And then myself, we, we have two follow-up appointments where we both go over the labs and provide different perspectives. And then everything from there is very personalized based on each person's circumstances. This is excellent. So as of right now, at the very least, you guys are both if I come and work with your practice, I'm getting both of you uh, on and off. Yeah, we're like a bundled nice. package. Nice, but that's really cool. And I think one of the things that people that um, might not be in our world don't realize is like, dude, you can be really good at this, but there is constantly new science, especially in the world of functional. I mean, that happens in all of medicine, I suppose, but especially in the world of functional, there's new science, there's new things out there. I still, to this day, when I work with a client and I recommend every person that goes through FDN does this, I still utilize our medical director program, Mm -hmm. even if I think I know what the test results mean. I'm like, why would I not go talk to someone who's been doing this double to triple the time of me, or maybe been alive double the time I've been alive and has looked at thousands of labs where I've only looked at maybe, you know, a hundred to 200. I mean, that's probably actually uh, an underestimate, but still hundreds to thousands, right? That just makes sense. So I really think you're probably doing a huge service to your clients by being able to have two sets of eyes that Mm -hmm. have their both unique experiences and education. Um, Are there times where you guys like you don't have to give examples, but are there times where you guys are like, oh no, we don't really agree on something and we want to go a specific way? Or are you pretty in sync at this point? Sometimes. And we usually are really good at getting on the same page before we move forward with like different protocols or whatnot, or I'll provide like additional shifts on my end to compensate for, you know, another type of decision. But that's, you know, like, again, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this program, because I want to be able to offer my own labs to my clients and assess it myself and create the supplement protocol myself. And I think that's like one of the biggest values that FDNP provides for nutritionists, nutrition therapy practitioners, health coaches, is that ability for you to have more control of how you run your practice and your coaching program and your business. Yeah. Um, I have a biz question for you, but one thing I didn't realize I didn't even ask this explicitly. I already know the answer, but it's still cool to hear. It's just inspiring for people. So how are those health symptoms of yours doing nowadays? 
So I've reversed my Hashimoto's. Um, all my hormones are back in good shape. No more digestive issues. The only thing I am working on now is just mold detox because we are unfortunately still in this house that has a mold issue. Um, and we're moving out in the next month. So I'm trying to mitigate, you know, the mold symptoms as much as possible while we're here and then planning on doing like a hardcore mold detox once we've moved. One interesting thing that I'm going to be adding to my list once I'm in a very clean environment is ozone therapy. And I'm really excited to try that. Cool. Um, I feel like I'm the only functional practitioner nowadays that isn't going through some type of mold situation. So really? I don't know if ignorance is just bliss or, or what. No, I'm kind of kidding. But I just, you know, <laughs> there's such an awareness in our space. And I feel like so many houses and apartments do in fact have it that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering sometimes, like, am I just ignorant to this or or what? So um, there's people that I really respect their mindset and really respect their knowledge. They come on and like everything's going well, but that's one thing that they're working through. So thankfully I'm someone... um. I mean, I'm, this is not a solution. I don't mean this to oversimplify this, but I, I'm someone, I'm always outside. I always have my windows open when I drive and I drive like 40,000 miles, 50,000 miles a year. So yeah. I'm outside most of the time anyway. My windows are open at home, even in the cold. Like I've always just liked that. Yeah. And so uh, again, not a cure-all for mold. Don't use that as medical advice, but certainly better than sitting in it all, all day and not getting any fresh air. So um, my biz question for you, if I may, you know, you're so established at this point, you're like living the dream of so many of our practitioners. Because again, for me, like I'm not someone who wants to work with clients all the time. I like mixing that in. I think it's one of my purposes here, but it's not my only purpose all the time. And a lot of the people that listen to this show and watch this, they want to do this. They want to do exactly what you're doing. And some of them are really scared. Um, We can give them all the knowledge in the world. Their health issues can get better. And yet for some reason, they still walk around with a lack of confidence. So um, may I ask, what advice would you maybe give to someone just starting off their business in the health side of things? Like what, what do they need to know, especially women? Cause yeah. um, a lot of the times I, I feel like it is the women coming to me that say like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't feel like I'm worthy. I'm like, dude, you're awesome. You definitely can do this. So mm-hmm. I think they'd rather hear it from you. <laughs> oh, Evan, you just opened up a whole can of worms because I don't think <laughs> you know this, but I also have a marketing firm business that is geared strictly towards health practices and health professionals. Um, cool. That has been sure. my side business that I've also had for for eight years. So this is like another passion of mine. Um, But when you're just starting off as a health coach or health practitioner or whatnot, you want to first establish who you want to serve and maybe a specific problem you want to solve. Sometimes when everybody has so many ideas and so many issues that they want to help resolve, it's like throwing so many balls against the wall and all those balls just kind of bounce back. So I always recommend that you zero in and focus on one problem that you want to kind of present as you break out into this industry as you're first starting out. Uh, Because sometimes when we act a little too vague, our messaging, when it comes from a marketing perspective can become diluted and we're not attracting a lot of sales because we want to attract our dream client, the client that has the exact type of health issues that we want to help address. Um, Of course, another way to go about it is, you know, I help people get to the root cause of their symptoms, but still everybody essentially does that. So you want to think, how can I position myself in a way that separates me from everybody else? That takes you to step two, the second question you want to ask yourself, what have I resolved in myself? Because you said it, Evan, a lot of people that are going through FDN are also have a health challenge that they are currently healing or have overcome. So you want to think about you want to walk the talk. You want to be able to give your personal story and you want to be able to resonate with who you are speaking to. So whether that's, you know, I specialize in helping women with their metabolism. I specialize in helping women with their hormones. I specialize with thyroid. And that doesn't mean you're pigeonholing yourself in one topic and you're just going to be the thyroid health coach forever. You want to launch yourself with something specific so that you are attracting your exact type of of client. Because when you get too broad in the health space and you're just trying to target everybody that wants to be generally healthy, a lot of people that are looking online for general health advice aren't at a point that um, individuals that have an actual health crisis going on, they're not, they're not in a, a circumstance where they are actively looking for a practitioner to help them. Because when you get to the point when you are looking for a functional health 
practitioner or coach, you have kind of exhausted all other options and you need help. So if you're going to just be a general health coach, I'm going to help you with your symptoms. And, you know, Cheryl down the street just has like some bloating after she eats, but not much. And you're attracting a bunch of Cheryl's that have, you know, some symptoms, but not enough that causes them to take action. Then you aren't going to be growing your business as well as you should be. So I guess that's my two reflective questions you want to ask yourself when you're first starting off. I, I love it. Thank you. And, you know, I like the spiel because I've, I'm not an expert marketer, but I, I've learned a lot over the last couple of years of doing the FDN podcast because they taught me a bunch of stuff on the marketing team. And I actually really like the way that you package that because I've heard the whole thing of like, you know, make sure you're talking to someone. Um, but I, I just, I thought it was cool that you're basically describing it as like, think about what's going to happen if someone has just general health issues and they're online, that's not going to actually put them over the line. And the way I always tell it to people, I'm like, because it made so much sense to me when I heard it, although I wasn't applying it uh, prior to that. I'm like, duh, there's like 7 billion people in the world, a billion plus are online actively. Like, I'm sure there's some people that have acne because that's, you know, my thing. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people that have mental health issues. So people get so, um, they think they're pigeonholing themselves mm-hmm. by, creating content only for that person. But look at your business. You even said yourself, you work with other types of people. I I think, I wish I could put this in every practitioner's head. Just because your niche is acne does not mean you are not allowed to work with someone who has GI issues. FDNs don't even treat anything specifically. This is business stuff. So if someone comes to you for that, you're more than welcome to intake them and work with them. No one has to know that. It's who are you creating the content for? Because it can't be the cancer patient one day, the acne person the next day, the mental health issue the next day. Why would I follow you? I already Mm -hmm. got like a thousand accounts that are pissing me off online. You're just confusing me now. I want to know that you're going to bring me value every day and that you know about me and my condition. So um, great advice. Awesome. Uh, We're coming up towards the end of our time here. I'd love to be able to shout out your businesses, not only the health side. I did not know about the marketing one, but just the fact that you've been doing that for eight years and have had the success you've had in the health stuff. I, I know enough to know that you're having success with that. And so I think our, uh, many of our practitioners could benefit from this. So please shout out both. Where can people find it? Yeah. So on Instagram, you could find me at Sarah Baker health, Sarah with an H. Um, my personal website is Sarah Nicole Baker.com. Um, my marketing firm, the website's currently under construction, but it's just Baker PR. Um, but I have grown that primarily from word of mouth. So all clients just kind of send me to other clients. So I would say if you are looking to fix your health or you're another practitioner, you want some guidance on how to you know start or grow your business, come to Instagram, Sarah Baker Health. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. And um, my final question for you, which I think you already know I'm going to ask. If I could give Sarah, in this case, a magic wand and you could get every person in this world to do one thing for their health. So now we talked about business. We'll talk about health. Mm-hmm. If you could get them to either stop doing one thing or start doing one thing, you could pick either. What is the one thing that Sarah would get them to do? Number one thing is to optimize your sleep. I know firsthand how if you're eating well, you're working out, you're trying to regulate your nervous system with stress management techniques, but you're not sleeping well, you are going to create a huge roadblock on your healing journey. Because if you have insomnia or you're waking up multiple times throughout the night, or you wake up early in the morning, you can't get back to sleep. When you sleep is when your body is healing, like regeneratively restoring your human growth hormone spikes up the first few hours of when you're sleeping. I mean, you need that time for your body to actively repair cells, get rid of damaged cells, to repair the liver, to really like go through your entire body and heal it. So if you have a health challenge and your sleep is still struggling, I tell every single client, first, we want to establish your sleep again, healthy sleep, and then we can target everything else. Um, So how can we make that actionable? You want to kind of set your circadian rhythm, you know, make sure you see sunlight 20 minutes within waking up. I always tell people to wake to work out earlier in the day versus later in the day. And then we all know all the common sense ones like no screens two hours before bed, blue blocker glasses, keep the room cool, blah, blah, blah. Um, But really doing whatever you can to prioritize fixing any sleep issues first. That should be the number one priority whenever you're on a healing journey. Love it. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today and just congrats on becoming an FDN. I'm excited to talk to you on the other side of your journey. Yeah, I'm going to be really excited too. Thank you so much, Evan. 